Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church Podcast. You're about to listen to a message from guest pastor Josh Jones, presented at Living Faith Missionary Church in Yoder, Indiana. Our prayer is that this message is a blessing to your life. Have a seat. Thank you guys so much for having Kelly and out, uh, Kelly and me out today. Um, we always love coming here and uh, worshiping with you guys, and uh, I always really like the song choices you guys have. Um, we feel so much love from you guys as a church. You guys have helped us every step of the way on our journey uh, as church planters, and we just are very grateful to the Lord for you. Um, today we're going to be in uh, Joshua chapter 7, if you want to start to flip there. Um I was praying for a while about what the Lord wanted me to speak on, and um, this is a bit of a longer passage. We're going to read all of Joshua chapter 7, but as I was praying, I felt like this was the one that the Lord may have been guiding me by the Spirit to speak on, and so, um, Lord, I just pray that if there's someone in here that you, uh, this message is specific for, or if there's uh, probably multiple of us, I ask that by your Holy Spirit we will feel the love of you as we read your word and as we remember who you are as our Savior, and also that we will understand the truth of your word and just the the seriousness of it. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you will just uh, help our ears to hear what you want from your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name. So it's a little bit longer of a passage, but uh, it's about 26 verses, so I'm just going to get right into it. It says this, But the Israelites acted unfaithfully, in regard to the devoted things, Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. To give you the context here, Israel had been told, take nothing from Jericho. Um, you know the story, the walls fell in Jericho, and they were told, don't take any plunder, don't take any of the cattle, don't take anything at all. Um, it's dedicated to destruction, is what they were told. And so they had to destroy it before the Lord. And so Achan took some of it, though. Uh, There in verse 2, we pick up. It says, Now Joshua's men sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel. And he told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and they spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send maybe two or 3,000 to take it. Do not weary all the people, for only a a few men are there. So about 3,000 men went up, and they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes, and he fell face down uh, to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we'd been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, why can I, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What, what, what then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. 
They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. So go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. That which is devoted is among you, O Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe, and the tribe the Lord takes shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord takes shall come forward family by family, and the family the Lord uh, that the Lord takes shall come forward man by man. He who is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was taken. The clans of Judah came forward, and he took the Zerahites. He, uh, he had the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families, and Zimri was taken. Joshua had his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him the praise. Tell me what you've done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and they spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua together with all Israel took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan he heaped, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore that, then that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. And that word Achor means the Valley of Trouble. Kind of a heavy one. Um, I apologize. As I said, I prayed about it, and this was the one I felt the Lord wanted me to speak on. Um, I want to talk today about um, sin and the seriousness of our sin in God's sight. Um, so we have a story here. Achan uh, takes this robe and some silver and gold, and it was supposed to be destroyed, but he hid it underneath his tent. And then these consequences begin to unfold for him and his family. Um, during this time, God was dealing very directly with Israel. And it seems like in the scriptures, when the Lord begins to deal almost face-to-face with his people, it's like the stakes are raised. You remember, we see this with Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, which is after Jesus came. Um, they start to, uh, they have this defiance that's directly in rebellion against the Holy Spirit, and they're struck down. 
And it seems like when God starts to reveal his glory to his people, when he starts to uh, to have these interactions face-to-face like he had with Israel this time, I mean, he's speaking to them directly, um, that the stakes get a little bit higher. And so Achan had been told, he'd been commanded, don't take anything from Jericho when you go in there. But he saw a robe he liked, and the silver looked nice, and he thought, I bet I can get away with it, though. He thought he would squeak by under the radar. He hoped that he wouldn't be seen. And so he took it and he hid it under his tent. Um, And we see now here what happens. Uh, Some scholars believe his children were probably um, grown and maybe involved in the cover-up. And the reason they think that is because he's only the fifth from Judah. And so when they trace it back, they say he's probably an older man. Um, And so his children were probably involved, and that's why they were punished alongside of him. Um, But either way, we see these consequences of his sin, they extend outward beyond just himself. So today, this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the hidden things. I want to talk about the things that we have buried beneath our tent that bring destruction into the camp. Um. In our lives, I guarantee you there are some of us in this room that maybe your heart is sinking a little bit as you hear this because we know there are hidden things in our lives. And I apologize in advance, this might be a bit of an uncomfortable message. Um, Achan had been warned, and Joshua and the whole community. In Deuteronomy 7, it says, Do not bring a detestable thing into your house or you, like it, will be set apart for destruction. And so these things, he'd been told, they are set apart for destruction, but by bringing them into his house, he was bringing that onto himself. Um, And so if the Lord says to you, that robe, its fate is fixed in my mind that it's going to be destroyed, it is already set apart for destruction, then it is extremely unwise to wrap it around your body, right? If the Lord says that robe is going to be destroyed, it is extremely unwise to say, well, let me put it on real quick and see how it looks before you do that, Lord, because you don't know when it's going to be destroyed. All you know is that it is, and to wrap yourself in it is dangerous. I have this image in my mind. I think sin is like a pipe bomb. It is unstable. It's dangerous. We know it's going to go off. It's just a question of when. How many scriptures do we have that tell us how sin leads to death, sin leads to destruction, and yet we play with it like it's a toy? We, we handle it like it's not some dangerous thing. Um, the way that people interact with it, they say, no, this is mine, and I'm not letting go of it, God. No thanks. You can Keep your distance, please. And we hold on to our sin and we refuse to let it go. I would say to you, don't tie the thing that's doomed to destruction around yourself. Because when the day of destruction comes for that thing, if it's tied to you, well, it's tied to you. It's like that pipe bomb that you strap to your chest and the question is when it's going to go off. And here's the problem is that our sins whatever they might be, they don't just affect us. Um, They affect our family as well. And we see that very clearly played out in Achan's story here. His children suffer for what he did. They affect our families. Um, 
when we choose to cling to sin, it's like strapping that pipe bomb to your chest and then going and sitting down to dinner with your family. And when it goes off, the shrapnel goes out. We see this in our lives. I'm sure you've seen examples of this, where someone, sin always starts out feeling harmless to us, but it tends to grow, and the danger tends to get worse as time goes on. Um, so let's take, for example, um, lust. You know, it starts maybe middle school and seems harmless enough. And then as you get into high school, you know, you start to get into like pornography. And then it starts to be something that it takes root in some of your relationships. You know, maybe you sleep with a couple people before you get married. And then you find the one and you're like, okay, I'm going to settle down. And this is going to be the person I'm with for the rest of my life. And you actually plan that and mean it. But that sin has taken root in your heart And you have this hidden thing under the tent. And you get married and that pornography continues. And that those those fantasies, you know, that 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 lust, it remains there. And if it's not dealt with between you and the Lord, it stays hidden beneath that tent. And it's like the countdown is ticking on that bomb. And you guys have seen, I'm sure, how sexual sin has destroyed families. Where you know, the, the opportunity presents itself and you never thought you would do this, but then adultery takes place. And now, you, you know, the, the sin gets exposed and your wife finds out. And before you know it, you're in divorce proceedings and there's kids now involved. And it's like that pipe bomb went off and the shrapnel went everywhere and your family caught it. It, it was more than just you. And it seemed so harmless in the beginning, but it grows and your family gets affected. Or anger, you see anger in people's lives, it, it might be justified, but then if you hold it too long, it becomes bitterness, and bitterness becomes hatred and unforgiveness. And hatred and unforgiveness can become violence. Or these burnt bridges, relationships are ruined, and pretty soon your anger is just like spilling out on people who don't deserve it. And you go, why am I doing that? Like, people who have nothing to do with the situation, it's beginning to hurt them. It's like that bomb goes off, and there's casualties more than just yourself. You end up with this pipe bomb strapped to your chest because you were thinking, you know, Babylonia makes the best robes. Or I really liked how that silver glittered in the sun. Maybe I'll just keep it with me for a little bit. Maybe I'll just put it there beneath my tent. Jesus said, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And we really see this with our sin, that just a little bit, it spreads, it grows. In Ecclesiastes 9.18, it says, one sinner destroys much good. I read that this week and I was like, that's such a sad statement. You know, people can work towards building up good and it says one sinner destroys so much good. The sins of the individual, they don't just impact me, they impact my family as well. And they don't just impact me and my family, but they also impact my community. And we see that played out in Aiken's story. 36 men are dead because of his choice. In America, we are a very individualistic culture. And we don't like to think of God thinking of us as a community. I don't like the idea that the Lord would judge my church as a whole or my nation as a whole and that there would be consequences for the sins of others. 
Um, but we see in the scriptures time and again that the Lord wants us to challenge each other towards accountability, towards uh, integrity, towards seriousness in our walk with Christ. And so I think that our sins have farther reaching impact than we even realize. For Achan, these 36 men, their lives end because of his sin. Um, I think in most of our, our churches, the way we typically are, we don't really care too much if the guy sitting in the pew next to us is caught in sin. You know, we kind of put our head down and we think that's really none of my business. That's between him and God. And we, we don't necessarily realize that the sins of that person might be affecting you more than you realize. Um, what if the Lord views us as a community? What if um, our churches lack power or authority because we refuse to hold each other accountable for our sin? You know, we think that's none of my business and I'm not going to get involved. But the Lord wants our churches to be pure. You see, the Lord is constantly trying to teach us that we need to set ourselves up and organize ourselves towards morality, towards godliness, towards loving each other well. That's the entire reason he gave the law to us, is he said, I want you as nations to learn godliness and morality. Um, loving someone means doing what's best for someone. And I can tell you, if you're sitting in the pew and you see the guy next to you as a pipe bomb strapped to his chest, it is not loving to say, well, that's really none of my business. I'm not going to get involved with that. If that thing is going to go off and the shrapnel is going to catch him and his family, it is not loving that person to say, nope, not any of my business. You know, I'm going to let him do him. I was reading in Leviticus this week about infectious skin disease. Uh, they talk about that in Leviticus, about leprosy and these different things. And they say, when a person gets leprosy, you remove them out of the community for a time. And it's not because you hate that person, but it's because that skin disease, if you let it spread, it spreads among the family, it spreads among your community. You have to remove it for a time. And I think sin is like leprosy. It spreads among our families, among our communities. And if it's allowed to unchecked, then the whole church can be affected. The whole nation can be affected. Think about how quickly morals change in our nation. I'm sure if you sit there and you think, in the last 10 or 20 years, you've seen moral shift, right? The morality of our nation. And it's because we put our head down and we think, if it doesn't affect me, then that's, it's okay with me. And you see the whole nation of the United States, its morals begin to shift. Um, for example, just last year in 2021, they did a survey and they asked, they asked the question, do you believe divorce is morally wrong? And 79% of the people who responded in the United States said they think there is nothing morally unacceptable about divorce. That is perfectly fine. Only 17% of those who were surveyed considered it to be morally wrong. Well, if you go to the scriptures, you know, we call ourselves a Christian nation. If you go to the scriptures, God makes it very clear in un no uncertain terms, God hates divorce. And yet over 80% of us end up saying either I don't really want to comment, or the 79% said, 
I see nothing wrong with divorce whatsoever. And we, we understand this because us as Christians, we understand our marriages are hard. When you get into it, man, that's, it is difficult. But we have to be spurring each other on towards morality. Sin is a disease and it spreads through the community. And when we don't deal with it, more people are affected than just you. So you have to learn, you have to take your sin and bring it before the Lord for him to remove it from you. Our sin needs to be removed. When an infection spreads in the body, what do they do? They Oftentimes they will amputate the part that's infected to save the whole body. We had a guy in our church, he has diabetes, and uh, they just recently cut off the the bottom of his foot because the infection was spreading and they had to save the body as a whole and so they cut it off. And in our lives, sometimes we have to remove things and it's painful and it's hard, but it's necessary. There's a movie called 127 Hours. Has anybody heard of this movie? Okay, we got one of you. Uh, 127 Hours, is, it's a true story about this guy who he was rock climbing and this boulder falls on his arm while he's rock climbing. And he can't get any help. He can't go. He, and he's stuck there pinned. And for 127 hours, he is pinned beneath this boulder. And he realizes the only way I'm going to get free and save my life is he has to take his pocket knife and cut off his own arm. And so over the course of 127, you know, he's passing out from the shock and the blood loss and the pain. But he cuts off his own arm. And here's the thing is it does save him. The guy's name is Aaron Ralston. He's still alive today. You can go look up his story. If you wanted to, you could go sit down to coffee with him. He saved his life by removing his arm. In the same way Jesus says to us, if your right hand causes you to sin, I want you to cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out of your head. These are the words of Jesus. And so we have to remove that which is killing us. I think we sometimes think too little of our sin. We don't realize the danger that it holds in our lives. The Lord says, if it's your hand, literally chop that thing off because it's better to save your whole body than to have that extra hand. Here's the thing I want you to realize, though, is that there's a really big difference between seeing that sin is a pipe bomb and saying, Lord, If that's the case, please get it off of me. If it's a pipe bomb strapped to my chest, Lord, anything you can do, please remove it from me. I want nothing to do with that. There's a really big difference between that and the person who says to God, no, this is mine and you keep your distance because I'm not giving this to you. Right? And we know that there are both types of Christians, probably both types of Christians in this room. There are some who are struggling against their sin and they are saying, Lord, I don't want this anymore. I know it's destructive. I know it's causing pain to me and my family. Please, Lord, I want to be rid of it. And I can tell you the Lord is so faithful to get rid of that sin if that is your heart. But there's a big difference between that and the person who says, nope, I think I'm going to hold this one for a while, God. I think I'm going to keep this one to myself. If you could just stay over there, this one's mine. And yes, Lord, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to keep this sin. You don't realize that is a pipe bomb that is waiting to go off. God isn't trying to keep you from things you like. God is trying to save your life. Because the sin is destructive. 
So there could be a part of your heart that even as I'm speaking, you're, you're feeling this pull away from God as you listen to this message. It's this instinct we have to run from him or to hide when we see the sin in our own heart. Achan, his first instinct, he took it, he's ashamed of it, hid it beneath his tent, right? Buried it so no one could see it. His instinct was to hide that. Adam and Eve, as soon as their sin was found out, you remember, they go and they hide from God in the garden. This is the most natural human response we have to our sin, is to run or to hide from the Lord. But it is not the solution to our sin. The Lord is very able to keep us from sin. And if it's already in your life, he is very able to remove that from your life without harming you. If you would say to him, Lord, I want to be done with it. The moment that Achan saw that robe and he saw that silver glistening in the sun, what he should have done is he should have gone to someone for help. He should have either called out to the Lord and said, Lord, this is a struggle. I'm tempted. Please help me to get rid of this. Or he should have grabbed someone and said, hey, keep me accountable. I don't know why, but that's I'm wanting that. Please just help me, you know, let's go destroy it together. If he had grabbed someone or gone to the Lord, he'd be alive. Um, even after taking it, I think if Achan had been convicted and he said, before he was found out, if he had said, I need to burn that thing. I don't know why I took that. Lord, I want to be, be faithful. I'm going to destroy it. If he had made that choice, he repented and he destroyed it, I think he would have saved his own life, he would have saved his children's lives, and he would have saved the lives of those men in his community. Jesus said this in Mark 2.17, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I think it's really important for us to recognize this. Jesus already knows what's underneath your tent. That thing that you've kept hidden for a long time, the Lord knows it. But here's the thing is he absolutely still loves you despite that. We're told in the Bible, while we were still sinners, the Lord died for us. He loved you enough to die even when that thing was hidden beneath your tent still. So I would say to you, don't shrink back from the Lord, but bring those things into the light. Say, it's been there long enough. It's time to deal with this. Say to him, Jesus, I am sick and I need a doctor. I am a sinner and I need my Savior. We come to him because we're struggling. It's like uh, I don't bring my car into the mechanic when it's running perfectly, right? When it's, it's when it has a problem that I bring it into the mechanic and the mechanic isn't mad at me for bringing my car in. He goes, nope, that's literally what I'm here for is I'm here to fix cars. So I'm glad you brought it in, Josh. And he's happy with me that I brought my car into the mechanic. We come to the Lord with these things. We, we shouldn't be ashamed uh, to bring it before him. We should say, you're the one who fixes these things, right, God? So I'm going to bring it to you. Um, you don't go to the emergency room when you're perfectly healthy, right? If I went into Parkview's ER and I said, I need to see a doctor, and they rushed me back to a room and the doctor said, okay, tell me what's the problem. And I said, oh, no problem at all. I'm perfectly healthy. I just wanted you to see. He would kick me out, right? <laughs> the doctor would say, "Get this is a hospital. What are you doing? Get out of here. In the same way, the Lord, he knows when we're sick. We don't have to try to hide that from him. 
He knows when we need a doctor. And he says, this is literally what I came to earth for. This is literally what I died for. And so, yeah, bring these things to me and I'll give you victory over them. He knows when we need help, but we do have to bring it to him to get that help. I think some people, they think that they have to get their life together before they come to Jesus. And that couldn't be more backwards. Some people, they think, like, I have to clean myself up and then I can go to church. Or I have to clean myself up and then I can, I can come before the presence of Jesus. This is backwards. It's almost like they think, you know, I know the doctor wants people to be healthy, so I'm going to have to make myself healthy before I ever go to the doctor. That's backwards. No, the Lord wants you to be healthy, and that's why he's going to make you healthy. But you can't do it apart from him. He's the one who makes We cannot fix ourselves. And I'm sure those of, there are some of us in this room, we, room who, we have tried to fix ourselves, and you realize you, you fail at that. So we have to bring our sins to the Lord. We have to bring them into the light, dig them up from under the tent, and bring them to the one who can save us from them. And I would say to you, I think we need to do this quickly because you don't know how long the countdown on that pipe bomb on your chest is going to last before it goes off. The solution used to be, and we see this in Joshua, before Christ came, the solution was destroy the sinner and there will be no sin. But now Jesus has made a way that he can destroy the sin while preserving the sinner who he loves. We have to come to him to do it because it cannot happen apart from him. Jesus loved us enough that he took our sins and he strapped them to himself. It's like he saw that bomb on my chest and he said, let me take that off of you. And he strapped it to himself. And he did this to show us the seriousness of our sin. To show us the destruction that results. When I look to the cross, I see very clearly the seriousness and the destruction that my sin causes because it did it to Jesus. What happened to him is the, seri- the weight of that sin. But still so often, we refuse to let our sins go even after we come to Christ. And he would say to you, no, I showed you the destructive power of that. Don't hold on to that. Give it to me and I will get rid of it for you. I want to end with this verse. A glimmer of light in an otherwise kind of heavy message. There's this verse I was reading this week and it really struck me. It was Hebrews 10.14. I want you to hear this verse. It says, For by one sacrifice Jesus has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And that verse, I don't know why, but just the succinct story of the gospel in there really hit me. I don't want us to ever forget, number one, the seriousness of our sin. It made Jesus' sacrifice necessary. It's why he died. But number two, I want you to never forget, he did make that sacrifice for us. And so it says, for by this one sacrifice, Jesus has, past tense, has made perfect forever, has made us perfect for the rest of time. And so that's already done. If you have turned to Christ as your Savior, you have an imperishable seed now. You have been made perfect forever already. 
That's the past tense part of the verse. But then it says, goes into the present tense, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And this is this process that we are going through before we meet him face to face. There is this constant being made holy, and that is what the process of taking those sins, digging them up and saying, Lord, I'm done with this. Take the robe, take the silver, take these things that I've hidden away from you. That is that process of being made holy, is bringing those things and laying them at the feet of Jesus. And so we need to dig up what we've hidden. We need to destroy it and give it to Jesus. Uh, In Psalm 103.12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us. And so if you will be faithful to say, Lord, I don't want this anymore. I'm giving it to you. He will remove that from you. As far as the east is from the west, in other words, you will never see that again. And so in a second here, we're going to be silent. Um, And I felt like I should end with us taking time just to ask the Lord the question, is there anything hidden beneath my tent that you know needs to be destroyed? And it's possible already the Spirit has spoken something in your heart that he goes, I love you. And that's why I want this out of your life, because it's dangerous. I love you, and that's why I want you to destroy this. So we're going to be silent, and um, we're going to listen. If the Lord has anything he wants us to commit to him. Um, In our church, we had a couple who, they used to be involved in paganism. And they had these, like, items they used in their witchcraft And they had like hundreds of dollars of this. And the Lord at one point said to them, I want you to literally destroy those things. And so they came to us and they said, we felt like the Lord was saying this. And so we had a bonfire. And as a church, we literally took, they said, we're not supposed to make money off of this by selling it back to someone else. We need to just throw it in the fire and destroy it. And it's very possible that the Lord will, there's something in your house that you need to go home and you need to just destroy that thing. And the Lord will put that on your heart. Or maybe it's not necessarily a physical thing, but there's something that you need to say, Lord, I'm bringing this to the light. I want to be done with it. I don't want to hide this from you any longer. Or maybe you need to grab someone and say, keep me accountable here. I've struggled against this sin for a while, and I want to be free of it. I don't know what the Lord's going to call you to, but whatever it is, I ask that you would be obedient to him today. So I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to be silent for a minute, and we're going to listen. King Jesus, I just pray that for each of us in this room, I ask that none of us would feel exempt from praying about this. Jesus, even if we've known you seemingly all our lives, I ask, Jesus, that you will show us if there is anything in our hearts that we have kept unsurrendered. Jesus, I pray that if there's anything we need to destroy, you will reveal that to us. So as we sit here silent for a moment, I ask that your spirit will speak to us. In Jesus' name.
King Jesus, I just thank you so much that you have made a way back to you. Lord, we deserve the punishment of Achan. We deserve the punishment that Jesus took on the cross when he became sin so that we would never have to face the consequences. King Jesus, I just ask that you'll give us courage now. If you've challenged us to anything, I ask that you will help us to act quickly and decisively and with courage. Lord, if we need to speak to anybody about this, I ask that we will act with courage and without faltering. Lord, I just ask in Jesus' name that you will just, by your Holy Spirit, make us bold and make us strong. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you loved us while we were still sinners, while it was still hidden beneath the tent. We just ask Jesus now that you will help us to remove sin from our lives so we will be more holy, so that we will be more godly. Please give us the character of Christ, I pray. Now, Lord, I ask that as we go from this place, that you will just fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name. Um, we have one more song. Um, I'm glad that you, uh, in the song earlier, mentioned that the altars are always open. If there is something that the Lord is speaking to you and you need to just maybe surrender it, um, I would encourage you to come down to the altar um, and just spend some time just giving that to the Lord. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're watching on YouTube, please like this video as it will help in spreading this message into the global online community. Please consider subscribing to our page so that you will receive notices when we post new messages. If you're watching this on Rumble, please hit the Rumble button for this video so that the gospel can be spread into the Rumble community. Also, consider subscribing to our Rumble channel. You can also listen to our podcast on Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts. We hope you have a blessed day.